0: Okay, today on Pro Mindset, we have Coach Ryan Porter by way of Santa Margarita, California, uh, Cal- uh, Santa Margarita High School in California, in Southern California. Uh, I just got to ask you, Coach, Santa Margarita, is that a Christmas drink?
1: I have no clue. Your, your guess is as good as mine, brother. Well, it's like I'll Santa
0: know. Santa Claus. It's got to be a Christmas drink, my man. Yeah. Margaritas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, gave that up. I gave that up seven years ago. So, uh, I'm trying okay. to forget all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> That's all right. So yeah, coach, yeah. is, coach is a uh, pretty uh, nationally known quarterback coach. He coaches. He's the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach at Santa Margarita, which is uh, in the Trinity League in Southern California. And Coach, you do a bunch of other fun stuff. So I just want to welcome you to Pro Mindset. I appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um,
1: anytime I get a chance to talk about football. Uh I love it. I I got football problems, so I can talk about this all day long.
0: Okay, so. coach, so give give everybody a brief bio of you as a player, not as a coach.
1: Ooh. Do we have enough time? Um I know, man. You stopped yeah, at a bunch of places. Yeah. So um Grew up in in San Bernardino, California, uh, Inland Empire, which is the largest – San Bernardino County is the largest county in the United States. Uh, There's a lot of football out there. Um, Rougher area, um, uh, very blue-collar, and um, where I come from, you needed this sport to survive. If you didn't have it, there's a good chance you weren't making it out. Um, And anyways, uh, went to San Gregorio High School. Um and played for Steve Carroll, but he ran double wing, double tight, offense, wing T. So I got to throw the ball maybe like five times a game and um, didn't really get any opportunities. Uh didn't get any opportunities out of high school. So I got one opportunity to walk on to my local junior college at San Bernardino Valley College. Um, And you want to talk about a wake up call for me where it was very, Uh, just grateful for the opportunity to be able to put the helmet on shoulder pads. And I had no doubt growing up as a kid, I was going to play pro college, all that. But when you're, when you're hit with that quick, like, wow, okay, this could be over real fast for me. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's what changed my complete mindset for the rest of my career. Um, being grateful for the opportunity just to be able to play the game one more year. And I walked on with seven-string quarterback, and I uh, had three or four bounce backs in front of me. And so my second semester of my senior year, I was working as a baseball umpire. I was working at, at, at selling shoes at Foot Action and just to put gas in my car, and I was doing spring practice with San Bernardino Valley College. Anyways, fast forward. By spring, by summer practice, I had moved up the depth chart to like third or fourth. They put me in the scrimmage game uh, against Pasadena City College. I got three drives and I scored all three drives. Um, I still had no clue what the hell I was doing. Um, I was just out there. But it was an opportunity for me to finally throw the football, which I didn't really get to do in high school. Um, We fast forward to the fifth game of the season. We're playing against Chafee, which was number two in the state. And we were down 22 to nothing at halftime. And there was 15 schools there to watch Chafee. Obviously, we were a struggling team. We were young. And the head coach and uh, Ron Smedley and my offensive coordinator, Clint South, uh, said, why don't you put the skinny shit in? Put, Put freshman in. I don't think they remember my name. Put me in at halftime. First play, I checked. Right. 68 option and threw a touchdown and the rest is history. I threw three touchdown passes in the second half threw for over 330 yards. Um, I became a junior college All-American threw 15 touchdowns in five games, brought us back to win that game. Twenty nine, twenty two. Still had no clue what I was doing. And um, after that, it was uh, it, 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 it was a wrap. I ended up getting 40 Division one offers um, and went from nothing to everything. in in a matter of six months um it was crazy right actually sat 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 down on my tile floor in my house and made my own highlight tape because schools were calling my junior college asking about me and i guess offering me to my head coach but my head coach wasn't telling me wasn't letting them know that i was a qualifier so thank god for my parents coming to the game and, and videoing my game so then when me and my dad started sending tapes out, they immediately were calling left and right, left and right. So I was anticipating coming back. I was doing spring football again. And there was just, I mean, Craig, there was waves of coaches, like 15 coaches at one practice, 12 coaches at one practice. Like it was, it was insane. I had every offer in the country. Um, and that's my story as far as college still didn't know anything. You handed me a playbook.
0: It looked like, uh, you know, Egyptian hieroglyphics, but go ahead. Okay, coach. And you went on to play in the pros, but I want to, I've got to ask you a question here. Mm. You, you were that skinny kid that was seventh on the depth chart that yeah. worked your way up to three and then eventually two before they threw you in. Mm-hmm. And they, they, why did, why do you as a coach now throw a kid in like that? Like they threw you in? What was, what do you think they were thinking? And what are you thinking when that's going on?
1: Um, I was accountable, but it was also the effort and the desire that I showed, right? Like you you could count on me to show up when they asked me to show up, to do the small things, right? To do the right things when nobody was looking. Um, and I just had a way to kind of lead the locker room. I tell all my kids this, and I've been like this since I was young. Great leaders, right? They don't seek validation from their teammates. Their teammates seek validation from them. And I've always... Naturally, been like that. My dad instilled that in me at a very, very early age. I didn't. I kind of had an it attitude. I was fearless, and I didn't give a f what people thought, right? I wasn't afraid to make mistakes, and I didn't really care what the coaches thought. It was about the locker room, right? And um, I wasn't afraid to make mistakes. Mistakes for me were learning lessons, right? You just learn lessons. And the team always, everywhere I've been, has always kind of gravitated around me. You know, and and it's always kind of been that way. It's it's infectious. Like I tell my guys, I don't have to be the strongest. I don't have to have the strongest arm. I don't have to be the most accurate, right? It's my job to get the most out of those other 10 guys on the field, each play consistently over and over and over and over again. The one that can do that the most effective is going to be the one that your head coaches eventually are going to love. And they're going to give you the keys to the Maserati, the yacht, you know, the mansion. It's that guy. Right. Okay. Um,
0: Okay. Coach, I got to interject. Um, I want clarification Mm -hmm. on you shared with me. I asked you what the coaches thought. Now I want to, I want to ask you what you thought. How did you see yourself? How did you, what was your identity when you were sitting QB2 before they put you in in the second half and, you know, lit it
1: up? I've never lacked confidence. So, and it's almost like I call it like a positive arrogance, right? Like when you train, I have the mindset that everybody is better than me that's training and I have to train harder. If I'm not up early, right, there's somebody up earlier working harder than me. But when it's time to compete and it's game day, there's nobody better than me in the country on that field at that time. That's literally what my dad taught me. And that's, that's, but, but when I'm working and I'm practicing, I have to train harder. I have to work harder. I have to do more. I have to do more. I have this like, it's like clinically sick. You got to have this unhealthy obsession for this thing called quarterback in football. And that's just, that was, that was my mindset, right? So I've always been super, super confident. I'm not afraid to be assertive, right? When somebody, and, and not being a dick, not being an asshole to some of the guys, but like if somebody's doing something wrong, right, I'm going to correct them. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I'm also going to find a way to communicate with each one of my players differently. There's some guys you can ride. There's some guys you have to instill confidence in. There's some guys you have to just make sure they're doing okay. There's some guys that need a hug. There's some guys that need love. There's some guys you need to stay on over and over and over again. So it's really just getting to know your teammates from who's the alpha, who's the best, you know, offensive lineman, to your linebackers, to your receivers, and taking time to get a personal relationship with each one of your teammates as quickly as you can. Um, so they 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 know that they they can trust you on and off the field, and they really really they mess with
0: you. Okay, you mentioned your father twice already. Tell me what you learned from your dad, and what was his? Was he a a youth coach, high school coach, or just a you know regular father that instilled principles in you? In you? Yeah, it's it's hard, Craig, to talk about my dad. Like I I, I catch
1: myself like even right now I'm trying to fight back tears. Oof. Uh, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> sorry guys, lost my dad eight years ago and, um, Vietnam vet, bronze star, purple heart, never talked about it, um, and had, you know, had his faults. Um, but when he was doing the best in his life, he was coaching us kids, um, um, you know, he, he he struggled. The war brought out the ugly side and, uh, you know, and he he went through a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I understand my dad more now that he's gone than I ever did. Right. You know, obviously he self-medicated. There was a lot of things that he was going through with PTSD and stuff like that. But He was no nonsense. Like, I, no bullshit. Like, if my dad had an issue with a neighbor and... It was going to be a physical altercation. My dad would literally say, "Go tight, go lace them up, go get your shoes on." They have a ten-year-old. <laughs> like, if my dad's getting down, like, I, like seriously, that was my life. Like, it was like family
0: on family. <laughs> oh, dude,
1: like, yeah, I couldn't tell you how many father-son fights me and my dad like physical, like we'd get into. So it was like one well, thing. He was tough. He was tough, man. He was tough, but he he loved his family, loved his kids, and he was known as coach. Like everybody loved my dad. He was funny he was a leader he was a great husband he was a great father you know even amongst all the crap that he had going on um but he taught me so much on just just how to be a, just a good human being and my mom did too my mom balanced everything out right she was the she was the the religious uh, uh spiritual foundation of 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 our family she made everything tick you know um but my dad just something about a father son relationship that you can't explain I wanted to do everything that my dad did, the way he tied his shoes, the way he put on his shirt, the kind of deodorant he wore, the toothbrush. I mean, everything my dad did, you you watched and you just looked up to. He was Superman to you. And I listened to everything that he did. And I think that's why playing football was so important for me because you subconsciously put this pressure on yourself because you see how proud your dad is watching you Right on the 40 yard line, 10 rows up at the Rose Bowl playing against Drew Brees. Right, like seeing that kind of stuff and seeing the joy that it brings your family. I mean, it's 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 awesome, right? It's awesome when they, they don't expect that kind of stuff from you, but like you, it, there's no feeling like it. Like throwing my first first pro touchdown pass, I got to stand up on the bleacher and throw it to my dad in the crowd. It was almost one of the greatest moments of my life to be able to do that.
0: That's awesome. Hey, if your father, my, my dad passed away about two years ago. If your father could come back in flesh and have Mm -hmm. lunch with you today, Mm -hmm. what, what would you talk about now that you're, you have, you know, your, your family's growing, got two and one on the way. Um, I would talk about him.
1: I would talk about how much I understand him now and how grateful I am. For him and I would apologize for any of the, the, the headaches that I gave him growing up as a kid um, and I would want to talk about whatever he wanted to do or talk about and just appreciate the time that I would have one more time on earth with him and I would just let him know how much I love him and uh, how much I still hear him every day in my voice even though he's not here I can hear the things, the quotes, the lessons that he taught me. I, I, I rely on them on a daily basis to bring up my two sons and soon-to-be daughter in a couple weeks and just say thank you. Like, thank you for everything that you've, you've given me and you're still giving me even though you're, you're not physically here with us.
0: Okay. So, Coach, you mentioned that you played at UW, University mm-hmm. of Washington. You played in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, you went to Washington. Kind of share your experience as a college quarterback.
1: So my experience as a college quarterback was, was, was a roller coaster. Um, I went to Washington, not really having anybody in my corner. I narrowed down my, my, my first, my final, my first four offers were from Iowa state, Michigan state, Kansas state, and Washington. And that's what I, I left as my top four. Since I didn't take official visits in high school, back then you had ten officials, but since I took them in junior college, you only had five. So I left one open in case I needed to transfer for whatever reason. Um, and I and out of all the forty, I had forty division one offers, one division two. I, I the first four that fell in love with me is who I decided on. Um, Washington wasn't my first choice. Washington was my second choice. I, I verbally committed to Michigan State originally, and that's where my heart was. And this is, this is a story I tell all my kids that I train to this day. Love who loves you. Don't love who likes you. Love who loves you. You should treat the recruiting process like a marriage. You date, you get engaged, then you get married, right? And whenever you get down on a knee and tell somebody you're going to marry them, right, you stick to your word, right? And you have two ears. One ear's for God. The other ear is for your parents. And don't let all these other outside influences tell you what you should be doing. But this ear right here is bigger for a reason. It's for God. And it's your life. It's nobody else's life. And me and my mom have hashed it out. But my mom wanted me to go to Washington because it was closer to home. My dad was terminally ill, right? But I just—I didn't have that peace or that serenity about that place like I did Michigan State. Michigan State had plans for me. I mean, they were fully, fully invested. College football and just like pro football, it's just one big complicated math problem. The math was math. <laughs> it, it is though. That's a fact. It is. It really is. That's yeah. It, well said. And 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 it's one big math problem. And the math, it was clear as night over there. It did not matter. Like they had, they had to play me no matter what. They were. I was. I was going to get a handful of mulligans over there because they didn't have anybody else. Um, and it was like, okay, that was going to be a place. Anyways, I go to Washington. Uh, I, 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 still am good friends with the New Heisels to this day. You know what I mean, especially Jerry, uh, who's at UCLA. Um, and Tuiasosopo was really my, I would call my quarterback coach up there, Marcus Tuiasosopo. I lived with him for the first three months. I'm still good friends with him to this day. He's offense coordinator at Rice. Um, his dad was kind of my dad away from home, Manu Tuiasosopo, who you know who played for the 49ers, the Seahawks, UCLA grad, you know, NFL great. Um, but I was swimming up there, Craig. I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I, the playbook, like I said, looked like Egyptian hieroglyphics. And I really felt like I was more of just an insurance policy and deservingly so. Right. Like I tell all my kids, you are what you are. Once you get to college, right? They have time to implement the X's and O's. Right. And it's not, an, they don't really have plans to develop the gems and Joes. They need to find the gems and Joes that can execute the X's and O's. And they have time to teach the X's and O's. So if you don't have a good, clear understanding and the knowledge of the game, and there's not a plan for you, it's going to be really freaking hard for you when you get there. And I was having to play a lot of catch up, right? Like literally, my philosophy was, I'm going to create what I want to throw with my eyes. And I still do this to this day. Me and you are having a conversation. I keep looking up. What are you going to do? Eventually, you're going to look up. That's what the defense does, right? So I had to learn real, real fast. Right. Like I didn't understand. What do you mean there's 10 coverages? What do you mean there's an odd front, even front, four three, three four, three, three stack, right? Like I, I didn't uh, I didn't understand techniques. I didn't understand anything. Um, and then being away from home, uh, and I found out real fast I couldn't throw a wet football. <laughs> like I remember on my recruit, I'll tell you this. Rick Newhousel though to this day is the greatest college football recruiter I've ever been around. And and I use a lot of my like for for me when I recruit. A lot of it I patented around Rick, like he like he's nobody better. nobody you better
0: give us an example of something that he does or says that is very
1: influential any name that you that he any name that that you would repeat to him, he could remember it like that. and how he would say is he would watch your lips when the person was talking, he'd watch the person's lips so he could watch it come out of their mouth, and anytime he's doing an interview right he would he he slows down before he speaks he would always say if somebody asked me a question he taught me how to interview i'm going to repeat the question in my head i'm going to answer the question in my head and then i'm going to speak out loud right and stuff like that like he would just um make the people feel appreciated and make them feel loved right and okay so and, let's and, do,
0: but, but Ryan, but, let's let's yeah. go back to UW. Okay. You said it was a roller coaster. Yeah. You said you were a little bit in the dark. Yeah. Um, your football IQ maybe not have been as high as it needed to be. Sure. And you were immature because most guys are. And <clears throat> your family was going through some stuff. Mm-hmm. So how did you navigate through your college career? Give, so, I guess the the best I, thing I, you could do, best thing you could mm-hmm. do, Coach, I'm sorry to interrupt you here, is not a confession. I don't want a confession. I want to know what you're telling your kids. I want to know what you're telling your quarterbacks that, Hey, don't do this and do that. What are the, what are the principles that were birth out of your college career? So,
1: so I'm glad you asked me that. So the biggest thing was I was too worried about the uncontrollable. Um, and instead of falling back on my, my roots of, having the effort attitude and just going out there and ripping it and just not caring. Right. I was too, I was too consumed with the politics and trying to learn the playbook, but also worried about the recruiting. Like I, that's a whole new word world to me, you know, and I took recruiting personal, which wasn't, which I've never done before and not, not understanding the business side of college football. Like this is their livelihood, and if they don't bring people in, people get hurt. They need to win. If they don't win, they lose their job, yeah. right? And nobody explained that to me, so I took it personal. Even when I transferred to Missouri State, I'd go out there and light it up. You know, I mean, throw for a bunch of yards and 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 stuff like that. Why are they still recruiting a junior college quarterback and another transfer? I didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't really have anybody in my corner to say, like, dude, don't you get it? It's a business, you know. I took it personal, and so it created, you know unneeded anxiety for me at that point. Um, And I got away from myself where you're kind of like looking over your shoulder. And I didn't really have that big brother, that quarterback mentor that'd be like, dude, just relax. You know, because then you're, 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 you're faced with the next fear of like, well, I'm going to play pro football. If I don't play pro football, then, then I'm not going to make it. My family's not going to make it, even though my family never told me that. So you put all these, unneeded expectations and, and, and stuff on you that you're never allowed to be in the moment. It's like, how can you worry about a pass that you haven't thrown yet, right? How can you worry about a game that you haven't played yet? Just get up, put one foot in front of the other and just play, you know, and let the, cards, let the cards fall where they may. Just just be grateful for the opportunity that you get up to get up the next day and practice, right? And then one thing about me, I always love practice. But I, I, I think early in college... I put way too much pressure on myself that every pass was a Super Bowl pass instead of just being my authentic self. I even went through a bit, Craig, at, in, at Washington where I had, I call it the Rick Ankle disease. I couldn't hit water standing on a bridge. I forgot to throw a, a spiral. Like the ball in my hand felt foreign. And then you, you had the yips and it was, oh, it was crazy. Like I wow. had to go home and I had to, and I was told, I think we had, it was the person that did like, it was like sports psychology for the Chicago Bulls. And it was, a, it was, it was, there was a man and a woman. And I remember one of them telling me, go home and watch your highlight tape every night before you go to bed to remind yourself, you can do this and you have done this. And also, and I'll, I'll never forget this. My dad tells me, don't try to be tooey." Don't try to be the other quarterbacks in the room. Be the kid they recruited. Be the kid. Watch your highlight tape and be that kid. The long skinny kid that runs around like a chicken with his head cut off and is out there just throwing piss missiles. Be that kid.
0: Which I still carry that
1: conversation to kids this day. Stop trying
0: to be somebody you're not. Coach, three things you said there that uh, fit right in with the pro mindset model. Number one is that watching your highlight tape is a confidence booster. There's a lot of confidence busters, but the, and players have to find anchors by finding confidence boosters. And one right. of the best things you can do is look at your highlight tape to see how great you can be. Right. And you know that every play isn't like that. You 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 throw picks and you do different things that you know airball. Um, you know it could be a. Um, a, a nine route and you out, uh, you overthrow the guy 10 yards. Yeah. You don't, you don't look at that stuff. You look at all the great things you do and it builds your confidence. The yeah. second thing that you mentioned was, uh, be in the moment. One of the things that you have to be able to do as an athlete and especially as a quarterback is divorce yourself, detach yourself from all expectations, yeah. detach yourself from the scoreboard. Touchdowns have always been six points. They're always going to be six points. So when you're down 22 points, you can't get it back in one play. So screw the scoreboard and, and, and execute the play. And yeah. then the third thing you talked about is something that I've created and through this Pro Mindset thing where you have to create a performance container. Think about this concept as a quarterback. You're driving to the game, driving to the stadium, and you're starting to create your performance container. And what goes in it is you and everything for you. And what doesn't come in it is everything that's not for you. So the fact that the coach doesn't really want to start you but has to because the QB1s hurt, you mm-hmm. don't bring that in. All right. The preparation you put in that week, all your Ps, your purpose, your preparation, your practice, your priorities – Everything else that, that it comes in because right. it's for you. Right. Um, and if you do that, you can perform. You can, it's easier to get in the zone because you don't have any, you're not having this. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you've done this too, where man, you're at the line of scrimmage and, and have a flashback to a moment in college or in, in the pros where you're like, you're talking to yourself like, Oh shit, I better not throw a pick on this one. Coach is going to yank me. You can't think of that stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with how
1: you need to be taught how to prepare, right? And like I didn't know how to be proactive in my preparation. I knew how to work hard. I knew how to condition. I knew how to lift weights. I knew how to be first in meetings and last to leave. I knew how to do all that. I knew how to do all that kind of stuff, but I didn't know how to prepare as a quarterback. I didn't know how to watch film i didn't I didn't know how to do all those things because there were so many different things there were so many more moving parts now where there was you know you know fourteen page installs that there that you had to i didn't i didn't know what I was looking at right I didn't know like I tell all my kids all my like I have pockets like i sent nine this year that went division one on full scholarship and they're all in a group text and I'm actually having them i'm teaching them how to be proactive in their preparation where they send me bus list every day and homework and and stuff like that and i go I said I'm going to tell you right now what you're doing as you're watching film. I have a kid at Ball State right now, right? And and I go about 15 minutes or I'd say 7 minutes into the film, what do you do? And I said, "Don't answer that question. I'll finish your sentence." I go, "You're watching the opposing quarterback and you're comparing how good you are to him, right?" And he goes, "Damn. How'd you know?" And I said, "Go get you a legal a uh, yellow legal pad. Take out a pen. And I'm going to show you how to watch film. If you have to watch film, you have to put pen to paper and write, not a computer, write, right? When I teach him, I have this algorithm where I teach him how to do all this stuff. The next game, he goes out against Kentucky, his first game of the season, right? And he throws for over 200 yards in the second half, right? And this is ball State. And he's now knows how to prepare, you know, but I, I wasn't taught anything like that. So I didn't, I had to learn as I went, right? In my, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my journey, right? And it's good. I appreciate that. Because if I didn't take those lumps, right? Like, how how was I ever supposed to grow as a quarterback? Um, which I, I I and then I, then Craig, I end up transferring to Missouri State, and I had this stigma about me that I was I was dude, Craig, I was a thirty nine five vert 225, 21 times. I was a, a, a handheld four four track four five one. I ran for nine teams a four four flat four four one. There's a white dude doing that right like a freak athlete right this is time this is a kid that was as a freshman in high school I was five foot four 97 pounds and then my freshman year in junior college I was six foot two 165 170 pounds by the time I left college I'm six three two two twelve like eight percent body fat out there looking like a ninja turtle like just shredded and like a freak the way I tested But then I was known as a kid that would run around, partly because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then I tore my ACL, boom, against Kansas my junior year. And then God has a plan. His plan is perfect. What did it do? It forced me to have to work within the pocket. I had to rely on good fundamentals. I couldn't throw off platform. I had to learn how to read defenses and throw from within rhythm and timing. That's why I train to this day. Good fundamentals win every time. I had to sit there and be like, okay, it's cover six. Oh, okay, it's invert two. Like I had to, it it focus, It focus. made me focus and learn how to read defenses. And I had to be able to throw rhythm and timing, you know. So that's my college
0: career in a nutshell uh, of how okay, all so, that went. Okay, so everybody thinks of pro football as just the NFL. But you mm-hmm. had a long career in the Arena League. Share mm-hmm. with everybody what that was like. So I got a call from the Titans
1: right after the draft. I knew it was, it was like, eh, maybe we'll bring you into camp. They ended up bringing uh, Jason White, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I thought I was going to OTAs. Uh, turned out didn't work out. Then I got, then I was going to go up to, then I was going up to Saskatchewan CFL. Um, they had me up there and I did some workouts. Um, was briefly up there for a couple of weeks. Like in, and. and I, I kept checking down to the flats i saw four guys going in motion and it was middle field open middlefield closed and i i understand it's 12 people you know i kept thinking it was cover three anyways um i got a call so i'm bouncing around trying to figure find a league and it's not happening right and i'm just like this is crazy just trying to get your foot in the door people are concerned ACL right Because it took away that one redeeming quality that everybody really loved about me was how explosive I was in running the football. And I really hadn't been able to put on film enough years of drop back, throwing, you know, throwing the football within rhythm and timing. I only had one really my freshman year and my senior year of doing that in college, which it wasn't. Anyways, I get a call to do a, a workout for the San Jose Sabercats, um... And I remember there was like over 30 quarterbacks and I just kept cutting in line. I figured there was one plate of food and that was, I was more hungry. (laughs) Like I didn't give a shit. Like I didn't care. I didn't care. Like what? Like I literally had the mentality. Like I I found the best receiver. His name was Phil, Phil Goodman. And he played, he played at Temple. He played for the Eagles for a little bit. And he was like, he's the alpha receiver. I walk up to him, introduce myself, and he was from Northern California. I ended up playing in the arena league with him for on two or three teams. Big 6'3, 220 pounds receiver. And I was like, told me his name. And I go, look, here's what I'm about to do. And I was like, you got 40 receivers in line right now. I got 30 some odd quarterback. You may have 60 receivers. I said, every time I throw you a pass, I said, I'm going to cut in line. Every, every third rep, I'm going to, I'm going to step, step up. And I says I don't give a shit what anybody has to say. If they got a problem. I'm look right at him and say you ain't gonna whoop me. You know what I mean? Like I'm literally <laughs> gonna be appear to be more crazier. a right? true story.
0: So Phil middle, was like, middle linebacker, a middle linebacker mentality. Oh, 100 percent,
1: hundred percent. Right? Like, like fearless. And so Phil looks at me and he was like, Yeah, I mess with you, right? And so then I got back in that junior college mode again, right? So and, and Craig, it worked. And people were like, No, I'm up. And I'd be like, Dude, move over. I'm like, Phil, get up, run a curl. You know what I mean? And I'm just doing it over and over. I probably got 35 reps and all the other quarterbacks got four reps. And so our bet, O'Malley, they come walking up to me and they're laughing because they're watching me literally punk every other grown man quarterback out there. And Nobody's saying nothing to me, right? And I'm just like, move aside, right? Which I'm just waiting to get sucker punched, right? By somebody like, I would have done that. Like that would have been a problem, right? Um, and uh, uh, they had Mark Grebe, which is an AFL legend and, and so they invited me up a few more times and the arena league is, is a hard, it's, it's a different game to learn. There was a, there was a young man there. I don't remember his name. He was a DB that was already signed with the developmental league, which is AF2, the arena football two league, um, which is like the AAA, which most people had to play at least one year before they went up to the actual AFL just to learn the game. And he called a coach by the name of Fred Bolitnikoff. Fred Bolitnikoff Jr., which is actually Fred Bolitnikoff's son. Um, and the rest is history. Freddie B brings me up, sends me a contract, send him this film. And um, I get there, and I'm four quarterbacks, two returners, one of two rookies. He knew the rookie's dad. And how I made that team, you ready for this? I volunteered to run down on kickoff. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like I was one of the last two people. And I was like, look, man, I'll wash fucking toilets. Excuse my language. Like, I was like, I'm not working a regular job yet. Like, I was like, he was like, look, he goes, I got to cut Fernie and I got to cut this other kid. And one's a returner. And he's bringing Scott Rizloff in for who played for the Bengals, played for the Nashville Cats. And he goes, why should I remember he sat me in a hotel room? And he goes, why should I sign you? Like, why should I take a chance on you? And, and I was like, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't have an answer for you there, coach. Like I'm willing to do whatever, like, you don't, you, you know, that, and he goes, I do know that. And he goes, you want to wear number six or number 11? I go six is the devil's number, you know? And he goes, that kind of fits you. And I was like, no, no, no. And he goes, he goes, you know why I signed you, bud? Why I'm going to offer you this contract and why you're going to make the team? And I go, no, sir. And he goes. Because you were the first kid that volunteered for special teams, in all my years of coaching, I've never seen a quarterback say, "Coach, I'll do it. I'll run down." And I was the gunner, Craig. In my wow. first game, I had I had three tackles. I had three tackles oh. my first game, and then the next game, I got dumped over the wall and I fell into two very fat women's lap, and I had beer and popcorn all over me, and and uh, but I ended up starting uh, a handful of games my my rookie year, and then I had a nine year career. Um, and I was the definition of a journeyman. I played for 11 teams in nine years in the Arena Football League. So,
0: dang. Okay, <laughs> Coach, let's bring this back to you've got this. You've been on this journey, mm-hmm. and you've gained all this wisdom, and mm-hmm. you played for lots of different coaches, mm-hmm. lots of different systems, um, every level of football there is, pro, mm-hmm. college, and high school. Mm-hmm. How does this manifest in your training and your coaching? How does it show up when you've got all these, you know, hotshot quarterbacks that are going all over the country to play college football? How does it show up? What is, What is like your philosophy? Like, um, Like if I'm a dad and I've got a son that I'm talking to you about, maybe training my kid, mm-hmm. and I live out in Southern California, what are you going to tell me that's going to convince me that you're the right guy to help my son get to where you've been?
1: Well, a I'm not afraid to tell you the truth. So if you think your kid's an next Joe Montana and he's not, I'm going to tell you. Right? If your breath smells like gorilla shit, I'm going to tell you. And if telling by telling you the truth <laughs> hurts your feelings, I don't care. Like I like I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like because all we wanted growing up as a kid is is somebody that that is willing to tell us the truth.
0: Right? A- and hey, coach, hold that yeah. thought. Done over a hundred, I don't know how many podcasts. No one's ever brought up gorilla shit before. So that's the first time.
1: So yeah. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just I'm not afraid to tell people the truth, right? And, and and like immediately. Like I will set healthy boundaries immediately. And I'm like, you're don't be the dad that's gonna send me A bunch of text messages. Don't send me what he ate fifth grade, you know, what kind of eggs you made him in fifth grade and tell me how great your kid is. I don't care what he did back then, right? What I care about is you're bringing him to me now. Do you want it more than him, right? And if a kid, I can tell if a kid after he's had one session with me, if he goes back and he's working and training at home, and if he's not working and training at home and I have to keep reteaching every single time, I'll tell him you're wasting your time, you're wasting your dad's money, you're wasting my time. You're not upset. There's, there's people that, that like football. There's people that love football. And then there's people that are so in love with this game. They're like clinically sick. They're, they have this unhealthy obsession with it. Like those are the ones I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, like, like they're just like their football is a teddy bear, right? They sleep with that thing. Like, and it's, they can tell you, like, that's how I was with it, Craig. So like I can tell you that Johnny Unitas wore two numbers, right? And what high school he went to, what numbers he wore in college. You know, like where he's from, you know, he's from Pennsylvania. And and what was the first team that cut him? He got cut by the Steelers first before he ended up at the Baltimore Colts. And and what number did he wear? Did he wear number sixteen or did he wear number fourteen at Louisville? He had two jerseys, like I am that guy. Right? And like those guys that I find, it, it's it's crazy. Right. So I used to bet my per diem money in, in airports. They would just say random quarterbacks, what high school did or what college did he go to? And I could not only could I tell them, what college you went to. I could tell them what number that they were in college. Like that was my Mickey Mouse cartoons in the morning was just studying that position. Anyways, I'm very passionate about this thing called quarterback. It saved my life on three different occasions. It was the glue. God, God provided the sport. And I, I'm very adamant about this. God provided the sport of football that kept my family together. He used it as a tool to keep my family together. My family was going to separate several different times. And by me continually signing new contracts, me getting a scholarship is what my family looked forward to. And it continued to keep my family afloat together. And I put that pressure on myself that I didn't realize till now, a couple years ago. That's why I kept doing it. I didn't want to stop playing because if I was balling, my family was balling. If I was doing good, it gave my, something, my family something to look forward to, right? Which, again, caused me some issues too later in life. But if you're a dad coming to me and you're like, why? I know what it looks like, smells like, tastes like, feels like. Been there, done that. I know what it's like to be recruited. I know what it's like to not be recruited. I know what it's like to be the undersized, not get looked at out of high school, and then have to just be grateful for one opportunity. I know how to come out of junior college. I know what it's like to transfer to two different division one schools. I know what it's like to be cut. I know what it's like to be traded. I know what it's like to be forgotten about. I know what it's like to be worshipped. I know I'm and there's so many Instagram trainers now out there. You could be anybody you want to be on social media now, right? Because there's somebody in southwest Idaho that's like, oh my God, he took a picture with such such. He must have created him. That's why I tell these parents to be very careful. Do your homework. Do your homework. There's a lot of trainers out there that are teaching kids how to build a house that, A, have never built one or even lived in one. But just because they took a picture on
0: Instagram, do your homework. Yeah. From your perspective, what is the biggest shock or surprise for families and quarterbacks, like high school kids, period, when they get to college? I mean, they with the Internet and the awareness of, you know, it's a business and NIL, all this stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You would think everybody would be prepared. You would think that, you know, everybody's got a quarterback coach. So, you know, somewhere around the country, you would think they would be prepared. But what is the thing that even though they prepare, they're still not ready for? Um,
1: There's too many high schools popping up nowadays. So it's creating the transfer portal before the transfer portal. If something doesn't look right, smell like, feel right, taste like, they leave and they go to the high school down the street. Kids are leaving starting jobs to go to other starting jobs for no reason. They're not willing to deal with adversity. Kids nowadays, and mostly parents, are running from adversity more and more, which is poison to their career. The parents and the kids that are willing to deal with the adversity are going to play longer because a lot of these kids and these parents, their egos are being stroked at such a young age, and social media is not helping that, that by the time they face their first real football adversity, they don't know how to deal with it. They're the four-year starter, right? They win the little kid Heisman Trophy. It's really starting in youth football, Craig, to be honest with you, and it's coaches that have no business coaching these kids that don't know what they're doing, and they're wanting the sport to be everything that they wished it was, and they're creating unrealistic expectations for the kids and the parents. But so by the time they they get to high school, right? They they that's all they know. And it's it's, it's creating a it's creating a shitstorm. You got the paid for offers. There's there's people out there that are they're charging people for offers. Calling Oklahoma and saying like I can get you an Oklahoma offer it's going to cost you $5,000. Get the fuck out. Like are you have you lost your mind? Like that kind of stuff, which is what's ruining the game right now. You know, and that's that's the crazy part. So now it's so the parents, the dads, you know, the little the little Johnny, the, the 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 Johnny heroes that you know maybe were like third string. They 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 want water cooler offers. They want to be go back to the office and be like, "See, my son just got an offer from Oregon or Oklahoma," and they want to be able to post it. But let let do they know their son's still built like fucking Pinocchio, and he's third string, and he looks like he's a, a peewee kicker. So now they're creating these crazy unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Right. Like mental health. Right. So now he's getting just everybody's making fun of him at school because they're like, dude, you're five, six, 112 pounds. You look like McLevin. Like, what do you mean you got an offer from Florida state? Like you don't even play on JV, but dad paid five grand to get that. And there's some crooked coaches in colleges that are, that are doing that too. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy not to get off on a side tangent, but I think that's a, that's an issue that's going on.
0: Well, I'm going to piggyback on what you just said and, And I was talking to an NFL GM this week, and we were talking about the fact that it's going to be a shock for these college kids when once they get to the pros. Because in the pros, you're stuck with a three- or four-year contract and an option Mm -hmm. for first-rounders of of five years. Mm -hmm. You can't leave. You can't hide. You can't transfer. Yes. You can't jump. And so I see a huge failure rate, especially at the quarterback position, in the NFL, regardless of where they're drafted. And you know, you've got a a perfect example at this, you know, up the state from you with Trey Lance and and Brock Purdy last year. And then this whole, how it unfolded all off season until they traded him to the cow, traded Trey to the cowboys. But it's like, at the end of the day, head coaches and GMs don't care where you're drafted. Can you play? But it's like guys struggle with dealing with adversity. And a lot of these young quarterbacks are having very short careers.
1: I agree with you. I, but I, I think, too, to also piggyback on that, I think most of these kids, I think quarterback plays is worst I've seen it in the past five years. Like, it's getting worse, right? But it's the development. There's no set plans to develop these kids. But it also has to come with the kid. I don't think these kids have good camps around them. There's a lot of kids that don't where people like you or my, like myself could come in and be like it's our job to make sure you get to that second and third contract. We help you deal with that adversity. There's too many people that are in it for instant gratification now. We just got to get a first rounder, we got a first rounder onto the next first rounder, onto the next first rounder, onto the next first rounder instead of keeping them there. You're going to go through a Troy Aikman and a Peyton Manning rookie year where you don't win a game and you throw more picks than you are. How do we get you to rebound? How do we, how do we become that whisper? I know how I could do that. I can do that in my sleep, but there's not enough willing people that are willing to do that because they're on to the next one, on to the next one, just like recruiting the next up and coming stud freshman, the next first round draft pick, you know? And I think people get enamored with, with these trainers that are, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're just puppy mill. It's very puppy millish. And so then these kids get washed out. Right? Because they've never dealt with this type of adversity before. You know, you got system quarterbacks and stuff like that. Good quarterbacks turn chicken shit into chicken salad real fast. And they know how. And it's because of, it's because of their mindset. It's because of their attitude. Yep. My receivers aren't that good right now. Yep. This scheme doesn't make sense to me. Yep. My offensive line, they're struggling. So now I, as a professional quarterback, I need to create unconscious confidence in my teammates. How do I do this? I need to get the ball out of my hand. If I get the ball out of my hand and I walk up to the line of scrimmage with a plan, and I can do this right now, right now, my my offensive line is not in a pass pro for very long. I'm going to make them feel like they're better than they really are. So when I do need to do drop back and I need to do a full field read, they have the confidence to do that. Now the ball's out of my hand too. Boom, 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 boom. Now my my defensive line and the linebacker they're chasing sideline to sideline. Crafty created quarterbacks know that they're not going to be greedy. I say a different terminology, but I'll tell you this way because I can't say it on camera, right? I say, kiss the ugly girl. You keep kissing the ugly girl, the good looking one's going to pop wide open and eventually say like, why he keep kissing the ugly one, right? But there's things like that that I don't feel like there's enough people in these quarterbacks' ears telling them that. You can turn bad teams into good teams. You can turn average players into good players. You can turn good players into great players, but it all starts at that position. And it's... Exactly what your podcast is about. It's a mindset. It's a pro mindset. It's 100% a mindset. How do you do that? Figure it out. There's a way to do it. Focus on the solution, not the problem.
0: Okay, so you have a nine-year-old son, Gunner. Yes, sir. And you shared with me offline that he's a quarterback. Why, in the, heck, why in the heck are you letting him be a quarterback? I, and how I'm... in the heck are you going to coach him?
1: I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm gonna show you though. I'm, give me two seconds. Give me two seconds. I'm gonna show you the one that I'm gonna. I'm gonna show you the one that you need to watch out for right here. This one right here is gonna be the gunslinger, a hundred percent riot right here. Say hi. Say hi, bud. Hey, dude. that's the one. Yeah, that's that's definitely. He he's the one that's already shooting baskets, hitting the ball not with the T, throwing the football, saying "good ball" uh, and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. So, um, okay. He just had to get his camera time real fast because he's obsessed no. It's with, all good. It's yeah. all
0: good. That's that's cool. How so Gunner, he?
1: he's he's one. He's going to be two in uh in January. But yeah, Gunner wants to play quarterback, and I'm trying to talk him out of it. <laughs> I don't,
0: I don't want him to play quarterback. Um, but is his, this is, what personality, is his personality a good fit for the position? I don't know. Or yet. is it too early to tell? I don't know yet. I, and I this is what I tell people.
1: I wanted to play running back growing up. My dad told me I was a quarterback. I tell people this all the time. The position picks you, you don't pick the position. And I'm a firm believer in that. You have two boys yourself, right? Yep. It works out this way every time. And I just tell you my experience. I was eight years old. My dad took me when I played for the San Bernardino Chargers. And my dad says, you're a quarterback. They had everybody line up and race. I was the fastest kid. They had everybody line up, throw a football. I threw it further than everybody. Then they had everybody remember five things. And who can remember it the, fi- the, the fastest? Right? The quickest and get everybody lined up right. It was me. Right? And then they had uh, a returning kid who was a 10-year-old come back. I'll never forget. I forget his name, but he had a red helmet on for whatever reason. And at the end of practice, they asked me where my dad was. And I went and pointed at my dad. And my dad's laughing. And they grabbed the number 12 jersey. And they handed it to my dad. And they said, you're going to be our quarterback. And I fucking cried like a baby. I cried. I wanted to be a running back. And my dad just laughed at me and said, son, I told you. My dad was a quarterback, right? He was just like, I can just see it. I've known since you've been two or three years old that this was going to be you. And honestly, Craig, after I played that year, I've never played anything else. And it's it's the mindset like, if the game's on the line, I want the ball in my hand. I want to be the one responsible if we win and even if we lose. I'm okay with that. I can take that. It's okay. I want to be the one that's responsible for this. Right. Okay. Uh, So you said your
0: dad, your dad recognized you as a quarterback at a young age. And you're, Mm -hmm. you know, by you saying what you said about Gunner, that, that tells me you're still not sure about him. Um, but it still may be too premature, but it's like, what, how do you, how, like if you're a dad out there and you, you know, your son plays football and you want him to be a quarterback or don't want him to be a quarterback, give kind of a brief synopsis of what, what does that look like and smell like and feel like? You know, what attributes does a young man have that make him a good fit for that position? I
1: I think you can tell at an early age that somebody that's obsessed with sport, right? Or anything that they do. Like, I just got Gunner back. Like, obviously, Gunner's from a previous marriage, and we just got him back the past two years. So we've seen a dramatic shift in how he's starting to like sports. He was raised the complete opposite of us, where there was no sports in his life. There was no God in his life. So now he's come back. And it's it's church and sp- it's church, football, soccer, church, football, soccer. That's being driven into him, right? And he loves it. He's the ball boy. So these are things that I don't bring him to training with me. He asked to go to training with me. I try to say, you're not a quarterback. He says, dad, I am a quarterback. So I'm still trying to figure out if if it's something that he's doing because he wants to be attached to dad, which is fine. Or if this is something he really has a passion, right? And I say, if this is something you want to do. Then I'm going to give you some non-negotiables. If you want to be successful at this, you're to go outside and throw the ball and practice your footwork, your transitional two, three, four, five against the brick wall for 20 minutes at least a day. And then go do your soccer kicks for 20 minutes. If you can show me that you want to do that, I'll know you're serious about this. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, that's what I was doing. I was doing that and I didn't have a coach. I was out there thrown into the chain league fence. I was out there hitting, you know, hitting baseballs. I was doing all that on my own without my dad having to tell me to do it. Because I was obsessed. That's what my one that's what my two year old's doing right now. My two year old, you know what he tells me the first thing in the morning? He doesn't tell me I love you. You know what he's Craig, honest to God, you know what he says? Touchdown. Like he throws up <laughs> his hands and he says, touchdown. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> touchdown, right? He's, he's gonna need therapy pretty soon. Oh, oh dude. He says touchdown. <laughs> and he doesn't call me dad, he calls me ugly, right? <laughs> like, touchdown, ugly. Like it's it's I swear to you, I swear to God. Right. That's funny. And, And he'll throw a ball at me. He'll grab a ball. And when he sees me, he runs and he looks to grab a baseball or football. He'll throw it at me and he'll look at me and he'll say, good ball. And he'll walk away with this cocky look. And I'm going, that's how I know. That one? I think I think Gunner's going to be the Joey Bosa. I think Gunner's going to be like your oldest. He's going to come off the edge and he's just going to ruin quarterbacks' days. Because Gunner runs like a deer. Gunner has this spring to him. He's going to be six four, six five, maybe even six six, and like that's what he is on the soccer field. He is—I call him the worm. He's the disruptor. Like he's a problem for everybody on the on, on the soccer field. He's sly tackling. He's running through goalies' lives. He's kicking kids. Like he is just he, he's aggressive. He's the most fearless kid on the field. He's he's a defensive guy.
0: Yeah, that's he's, he's he leads with his physicality instead Correct. of his mind. Whereas Correct. a quarterback, you've got to be thinking about the team and the eleven the other ten guys on offense, and you just have to have some composure about yourself. Where on defense, you know, if you're crazy, coaches love you. Well, I played with a defensive
1: mentality too. Like I've been kicked out of four games, and I'll tell you that fun story. And you you're gonna appreciate this one. I haven't told too many people this. But to answer your question on why I feel like I can tell. When a new quarterback comes to train with me and I can tell if he's a quarterback is he's asking questions and he's watching my other quarterbacks like Jackson Potter, right? Or Brock, when they're coming to train, he's locked in and all he cares about is learning how to do his craft. He's not there to socialize. It doesn't matter if he's nine years old. It doesn't matter if he's 10 years old. It doesn't matter if he's 15. He is locked in and he is wanting to do what the older kids are doing. And he's over to the side when he's in line, practicing it, right? And he's taking the coaching. Other kids are out there playing with flowers and they're da da, 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 da. Like, oh, that, yeah. That's how you know. That's how you know. So I tell him, like, can he come to me at eight years old? And I'm like, yeah, he can come. He can try. But I can tell the ones that are locked. Like Jaden Daniels, 10 years old, locked in, locked in, locked in. Anything you ask him to do, did it like that. And you didn't have to repeat yourself. And if he didn't, whatever, they maybe like once times he wouldn't figure it out. And then he'd look at me and be like, Coach, how do I do this? He calls me Ryan. He doesn't call me coach. And then he would do it. Boom. Done. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And I kind of look over at his dad like, Are you seeing this? What I see? It, it, it's one of those things. Same thing with Brock. Brock's the same way. Brock picks it up like that.
0: He, because well, it comes natural. That, one of the things I think that happens is when football is in the family. Like mm-hmm. you know, your sons are going to be aware if they're not aware that you've done what you've done, and as a consequence, they want to do what dad does. Jaden's father sure. being a football college football player, being a high school coach, <clears throat> same type of thing. So during those formative years, you know, maybe I don't know five to ten. I don't know what the years are. Um, <clears throat> they decide that they want to they want to do what dad likes. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? I,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, they get to go on college campuses already. They go. I call it on tour. We go on tour with California Power all over the country. And like, they're playing on USC campus. They're, you know, riots run around UCF's field, Tennessee. Like, this is the environment that we've created for them now and they get to grow up in. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Lincoln Riley. Or, oh, it's Coach DeBoer. Like, it's, oh, that's just Jaden. Oh, that's Brock. Oh, it's Jackson. You know what I mean? It's like, isn't that crazy? But you're right. 100% you're right. That's that's their environment now. How cool is that, that they get to grow up with these individuals and grow with them as, as big brothers and uncles?
0: So. Absolutely. Hey, Coach, we could probably talk for two hours, maybe three, and it's already been one. Mm-hmm. So I want to wrap this up, and, okay. and we we may have to do this again because there's so many things that we didn't talk about. Okay. You know How many guys you have in college football, some of your primetime guys, uh, what Cal- California power is about and that whole movement that you've got going on. And it's kind of changing the, the, it's, it's very innovative on the landscape of going from high school to college football. Um, but just, just what is the thing today? I just want I just want to um, want you to kind of dig deep into your mind. What's the one thing that you haven't shared that when we hang up, you're like, dang glad you did. So I want you to share that right now. Somebody listening may not even be somebody that plays quarterback, may not be somebody that even plays football. What's the thing, what's the life lesson that you would like to share with our audience that can enable you to make an impact on somebody listening that you don't even know who they are? So the reason
1: for any of this, a couple of things, the reason for any of this is, is... – is my foundation in, in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, that—that that is my rock. And um, I was a converted knucklehead, and I, I was committed to two different lifestyles playing in my professional football career. And I tell people, you can get away with being the dick only for so long. And what you do off the field will reflect what you do on the field every single time. Um, and who you surround yourself with matters. And I lived my life correct in high school. I lived my life correct most of college. When I got into my pro career, I got away from my foundation and my roots. I had about a 10-year dark period, um, which I'm very open about. And like I said, football saved my life on three different occasions. Like literally saved my life. But God used it. God. And my faith in God... And my sobriety, um, but also helping me understand you brought this up, no expectations. The way I lead and the way I coach as a husband and as a father, um, and as a coach now is I don't have any expectations. There's a fine line between expectations and goals, right? You can set standards, goals, you can achieve your goals, right? You can meet standards, but anytime you have expectations, And I tell this to all my kids, it's going to lead to disappointment and resentment every single time. So how do you navigate through that? And for the past seven seven years, that's how I've done a shift in my coaching is here's goals that we can accomplish kids, right? Here is standards that I need you to meet, that I would like you to meet, or I should even say objectives. Right. But the expectations I've done a really good job of I've, and I learned that in my sobriety, I've thrown them out. Right. doesn't mean I'm not guilty of sometimes subconsciously having, but I I hold myself accountable on a daily basis with expectations.
0: I'm going to sum up my perspective of listening to you say that is if you can have higher standards than your coaches Mm -hmm. and you can perform your best, Mm -hmm. the wins are going to take care of themselves hundred percent. And if you don't win, you weren't meant to win. Correct. But here's the problem is if you're trying to win and you're focused on results and expectations, you might win when you don't even deserve to win. Right. And then you start on this, basically, a new path of underachieving because you can. Right. So my my encouragement, based upon what you just said, was be everything God created you to be. Be as great as God created you to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And know that people are going to doubt you and, and disappoint you and not believe in you. Right. But it really boils down to you and your relationship with your creator and, and, and holding space for who you are, not who everybody thinks you are or who you think they think who, who you think they think you are.
1: Right. Well said, Craig. Yep. Okay.
0: Hey, i want to thank you for being on pro mindset today. Taking time out of your busy schedule. Good luck tonight you probably play a game tonight yeah and good luck with all your coaching and your family and i know you got this baby coming in a few weeks good luck with that too appreciate
1: it listen i appreciate you having me on and just you know how much i love you guys love your family love your son um and thank you so much for for the opportunity to to get to talk ball and about my life so thank you craig
0: Craig. doman the host of pro mindset podcast I want to thank you for listening or watching today's show, and you can catch us every week on the normal social media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all the listening uh, podcast platforms. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and more importantly, I hope you gained a pro mindset insight. Please be sure to rate and review Pro Mindset Podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you on our next show.